story that um, God dealt with them to pray for Pastor Harold Warner. And if you know Harold, Pastor Warner, he's on a wheelchair. And he said God dealt with them to pray for him so that he can get healed. And if you've been keeping up, Pastor Warner's not healed. <laughs> um, but he said he felt like that was a moment where God just wanted to test them. So uh, maybe it's that. I don't know. But if it's not, then just, just come after service. I'll pray for you. When I was a child, we used to play this game where we tried to um, out-animal one another. <laughs> so once uh, it usually came through paper, rock, scissors, we'll say paper, rock, and we'll say dinosaur. And then the other person will say paper, rocks, uh, monster, you know, and they'll go on and we'll try to go through the animals. And it was always a, almost like a prideful thing. If you said lion, the other person will say a bigger lion or they'll say a dinosaur. You'll try to out animal one another. And I know if I asked you today what kind of animal you think you are, you, you wouldn't say things like a chihuahua or, or like a French bulldog or, you know, you wouldn't say a, a, to buy a cat, you know, you want to say things like that. But I bet you, you probably wouldn't say sheep either. <laughs> you know, throughout the Bible, it's no mystery that we're referred to as sheep. You know, despite the common belief that they're dumb, one thing they don't lack is memory skills. When you do your study on sheep, uh, most of the, you're going to find a lot of articles that try to help you understand that sheep aren't dumb. Um, but just spend some time on the farm and you realize sheep are pretty dumb. I mean, they're, they're not geniuses either, you know, like, but they have an incredible memory. As a matter of fact, they say sheep, they build friendships between one another. Um, they can remember faces. Um, I think, um, this isn't too impressive, but they say it goes past five years. Sheep have recognition and memory skills that far exceed what we imagine in the past. This is one of the reasons why they're able to form friendships. Sheep even defend their friends. They're able to defend their friends in the flock whenever there's fights. So as I was putting this sermon together, I was beginning to think, no, sheep aren't that dumb. But then I watched the video. And if I can show the video um, real quick so, to let you guys know why that I, I regressed my, my, my thought process. Go ahead, David. That's a sheep. Okay. <laughs> you got stuck. So... <laughs> After the 26 articles that I read saying sheep aren't dumb, I watched that video. <laughs> That's just one sheep, right? <laughs> you can turn that off. It's fine. And I begin to think, many people are like the sheep. There's this temptation on something that I'm going to call worldly freedom. And the truth is that for some people, freedom becomes just another form of slavery. A self-slavery, if you will. For many of us, we tend to forget or even overwrite where God has delivered us from. And like the sheep go back into that same hole, go back into slavery. There's something we do every Easter, and that is we take communion. Jewish people, they do it quite more often. Other churches do it twice, twice a year. 
But there's something in communion that you understand that we eat unleavened bread. And throughout the Bible, if you study, there is quite a bit of talk of unleavened bread. And I always, I, I love pan dulce. And I like leavened bread. <laughs> That's what I like. So I begin to think, why, why is it a big deal? Why is unleavened bread a big deal? Why is it so specific when you think about the Passover and the communion? Where, uh, it's always make sure it's unleavened bread. And in my study, I found this, which I thought was pretty interesting. Exodus chapter 12, verses 33 through 34. It's a reminder. God made it a point to them to remind them. It says the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. This is after the plagues already. And finally, Pharaoh had enough and said, get out of here. He said, you guys need to go. So finally, finally, they get deliverance. Finally, they're set free. Verse 34 said it happened so fast that people took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. So you have these housewives that are there and they're making this bread. And eventually it's going to be this real good bread that they're going to eat. But out of nowhere, there was Pharaoh saying, you guys need to go. Moses, fine, I'll let them go. And it says it was so fast, they, they didn't even finish making their bread. Tortillas didn't finish. They took off. They said, I don't, we don't got time for this. We got to go. If we don't leave now, we're going to be dead. That's the attitude. Put yourself in, the, in, in their shoes. Finally, they're delivered. They don't care if their bread is leavened or not. They're taking off. I'm sure they're having conversations. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing. Finally, Moses made it happen. That's so awesome. You know, God came through for us. But then in Exodus 16, a few chapters later, verses 2 to 3, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Wait, hold on. They ran so fast that they didn't finish their bread. And now they're over here saying, we should have died. <laughs> like the sheep, right? You get out of the hole and then you end up in, in the other hole. I want to preach a sermon this morning. It's all going to make sense. And the title of my sermon is Running Towards Freedom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment that you've given us. God, I pray, give me grace, God, to be able to minister this topic, God. I hide behind your cross. I do not come in my talents or my abilities, God. But I have full confidence in the power of your Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is the slavery we were set free from. We spend a lot of our life oblivious or ignoring God. We think about all the years before you were saved, obviously your childhood, and, and then the moment maybe even going into your teenage years or even adulthood. There are many wasted years oblivious to God, oblivious to the fact that God is drawing us near to him, that he loves us so much. We know scriptures, God loved us yet when we were sinners, that God chose us before we chose him. We are completely oblivious to that until we get saved. At the beginning of Exodus, there are two groups. There are the Egyptians and the Hebrews. 
with the same problem. Neither of them knew or served the one true God. I want you to understand that. It wasn't that Israel was, was perfect in captivity. Somewhere they fell into idolatry themselves. Joshua 24 tells us that the Hebrew people served false gods while living in Egypt. Joshua 24, 14. So now fear God, worship Him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river and in Egypt. You worship God. So here it is, this group of people in captivity looking to be set free, yet they're not serving God, or some of them are and some of them aren't. There is a very half, half, uh, half, half-hearted, uh, pursuit of God, and God sends Moses to deliver the people from slavery and bring them to a place of worship to God Himself. Somewhere he brings them to a place called Mount Sinai where he will give them his law and he will become their God and they will become his people. This is the same dynamic present in our life. We didn't serve, let alone love God, but he delivered us. The choice you made to get saved, it wasn't this, it wasn't this convincing. It wasn't this, you know what, you're a good person. It was a very good understanding that you were on the way to hell. Can I remind you that this morning? We were on the way to hell before we found Jesus Christ. That our life was a mess. There's people here today. Listen, you're blessed. Your marriage is put together. Your finances are on a roll. It's good. You're generous. You're blessing other people. That wasn't the story before you met God. The story was you were hooked on drugs. You were lustful. You were on the way to hell. Your marriage was falling apart. And somewhere this dynamic is present that yet we are enslaved and we're not necessarily looking for God. God interferes with us and we're set free. I love how the message translation says it. In Joshua 24, 12, he says, I sent the hornet ahead of you. I drove out the two Amorite kings, did, did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. None of us had to do anything in our salvation. It was all God. I know you raised your hand. You're saying, you know what, well, I, I made the decision. Yeah, but you have no clue all the orchestrating that God did to bring you to that one moment. The Passover, the one that we know, they paint the, they, they grab blood and put it on the door frames. We take communion in remembrance of this was instilled by God for the purpose of remembering. Say with me, remember. It was for the purpose of remembering. We have hard memories. For some of us, we have bad memories. We live on fish oil pills trying to help our, mem- our memories. You, some of you, you forgot what you had for breakfast today. Let alone what you had for dinner. Or memorizing scripture. Or paying that one bill that I might have triggered your thought right now. There's a past due bill, by the way. You're welcome. Our text is an interesting one. Here's a group of people in captivity. And when freedom comes... They run with urgency towards it. No time for anything else. 
but running to what their deliverer did for them. Isn't that a picture of salvation? That's what happened when you got saved. You didn't, you, you, you didn't say, you know what, let me go finish this, let me go finish that. When you got saved, you left it all at the altar and you said, God, help me. I believe the specificity of unleavened bread and the Passover is for Israel to remember their desperate, needy, and urgent response for God's involvement. How God did in a moment in time what they were trying to do in a lifetime. I believe that God's specificity with leavened bread shows, or unleavened bread, shows us that he knows our human nature. The human nature is that we forget how we were saved and how much in need we were in. In results, we lose the urgency to pursue God. In result, we lose the urgency to cling to God. And it happens just like the people of Israel. They're living in freedom, yet their wish, they were in captivity. I want to move on to my second thought. That is slaves again. I want you to hear me when I say this. If we don't replace slavery with freedom, we will end up slaves again. Freedom is more of a choice we make than just a state of living. There are many in this world who claim they are free, yet enslaved to their own pleasures and enslaved to the trends of this world. Paul echoes this truth in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What an incredible statement. He says, you have been free by Christ. For freedom Christ has set us free. He says, stay there. Stand firm, therefore. Stay right there in freedom. And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That lets us know something is that there is an option yet while we're free. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Many have had the experience Israel had of deliverance. What an incredible experience. Here it is, they're running. They're running for their life. They're running through Egypt. Think about this, the pyramids and all that. Just picture yourself there, right? And then you're, you're running and, and your, your wife, your mom, she's carrying the, the bread that she didn't finish. You know, let's, let's make it personal. She's carrying tortillas and she's got the chorizo on the left. You know, she's, they're, they're running. They're like, ah, you know, like we're going to die, you know, like her. And they're running out. And then somewhere, you know, Egypt is following you. Here it is Pharaoh with the army. So now you're sprinting. Now you're going as fast as you can and you come to a halt. To a Red Sea. And you know the miracle. Here it is Moses. The man of God now is being questioned. What's going on? I thought we were going to be free. Now we're going to be dead. And somewhere he calls out to God. A miracle splits the Red Sea. They go through it. They cross into the wilderness. Which is a whole different sermon. But they cross into the wilderness. The sea closes in on their enemies. And kills them. How do you forget that? How do you go from that to we should have died next to our meat pots because we had meat? That's human nature. That if we don't choose to be free, then our flesh chooses to go back to slavery. We stray back into slavery simply because of our failure of replacing their slavery 
with freedom in Christ. See, Christianity is more than just not doing things. There's people here that, I'm a good Christian because I don't smoke weed. Well, I'm glad you're not a pothead this morning. Don't, don't think of that's not what I'm saying. But are you serving God? Are you loving your neighbor? So there's a theory or a phrase that's used in psychology, and that is replacement theory. And it's usually used when it comes down to ha uh, speaking about habits or addictions. And the thought is that you can't just remove a habit. You have to replace it with something else. Right? And this is just human nature. There's some people, they do this in a negative way. They'll stop smoking cigarettes, but they get addicted to sugar. You know, and they all they did was they just replaced it. That's, that's how human nature works. You know what the truth is? Is that all of us, we all learned something in slavery. When you weren't saved, you have habits that you learned. Some of us, it was very sinful habits, drugs, lust, things that God helped you to break. For other people, were a little bit more deeper things like attitudes and maybe habitual lying and stuff like that. That's a little bit harder later in life. You're a Christian, but you habitually lie. Because you learned that in slavery. We have these learned behaviors called patterns. And at times, even addictions, which the Bible uses the word strongholds, that we carry with us when rushing out of slavery. They didn't have time to develop their character. They didn't have time to say, you know what, okay, I'm going to become a better Christian. They took off. And that's what happened is when we got saved, we were delivered. We were set free by the Holy Ghost, by Jesus Christ himself. We are now on the way to heaven with all of our problems. With all of our things that we need to deal with. By no means am I saying that we shouldn't have rushed. I believe that's the way you tackle salvation. I believe you should, you, we should rush. But it's just the dynamic of life. We're all a product of our upbringing. I've said this before, the older I get, the more I'm starting to become like my parents. And I see it as stuff that I've learned subconsciously. <laughs> like it's just, I didn't even know I knew that. Like I didn't know I can scream that loud. <laughs> so we enter salvation, we enter church life, and then we begin to form these relationships as free, yet we're still dealing with those things we learned. Those learned behaviors. This is where we find Christians who remain addicted. Christians who remain prideful. Who remain in attitude problems. Who are bad stewards. Who are habitual backsliders. Because freedom doesn't guarantee freedom. All it does is just adjust our place of fighting. You ever heard that before, even concerning our nation? Freedom's not free. Right? The whole, the whole term. I believe who, I don't know, I might say it wrong. I think it was Thomas Jefferson or maybe Mark. No, it wasn't. One of, one of our founding fathers. He said, we have a republic if we can keep it. Jesus said this. John chapter 8, verses 34 through 37. 
Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. If you know the context of, this, of the scripture, he's speaking about deliverance. And the Pharisees answer, the Pharisees say, we've never been enslaved. <laughs> I want you to really think about this. Jesus is speaking to Israel's representatives, the smartest Israel can get. The smartest. We're talking about the, 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 uh, the, the, the Tim Cooks, the, the Steve Jobs of, of Israel. And Jesus is speaking about being free to sin and not being a slave to sin. And their answer is, we've never been a slave to anybody. We're the offspring of Abraham. Do you not remember the Red Sea? Where you spent years and generations in captivity under Egypt? That's human nature. We rewrite things. We forget those things now that we're, now that we're good and we're educated and we, and we wear a shirt and tie. We forget, man, we were, we were bad. John 8, 31 through 33. So Jesus said to the Jews who have believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? How quickly we forget. Commentators say the Pharisees' objection is startling. In their past, the Israelites have been in bondage to the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians. At the time they spoke, Israel was under the power of Rome. Never been a slave. I've never had anybody tell me what to do. You're right. You follow these trends in Hollywood. You follow these celebrities. You're enslaved to your own emotions. You can't tell yourself what to do. Can we become so religious that we're blind that what Jesus once did for us, we have lost? True freedom comes from a lifetime submitted to Jesus Christ. If you abide in my word. It's a powerful preposition. If. If you abide in my word. This word abide comes from a Greek word, which is meno, which means to to remain or to reside. It's not equivalent to signing a lease. You can sign a lease, but not live there. So some of us, we've signed leases, you've said prayers, we've, we've said all kinds of promises and vows to God, but you're not abiding in his word. It's the same word used when Jesus sends out the 12 in Matthew 10, 11, in whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and abide and stay there until you depart. He says, stay there. Jesus says, if you stay in my word, you are truly my disciple. It's the same word John uses in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. No one who abides, no one who stays in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. You can't just remove those bad habits. You have to replace them. 
Same thing like you don't just cast out demons and remain free. You have to fill the house up or not the demon will come right back. Look in there. Notice that nobody answers. You guys, you guys saw that YouTube video where the guy talks on the, on the ring camera? And um, he goes in, he's at an apartment complex, he knocks and he fakes being a maintenance guy. Yeah, he's in there and he's like, I'm just a maintenance guy, I'm here to change your filters. And he's like, oh, no, no, uh, no one's home. So he goes, oh, okay, I'll come back later. Boom! <laughs> he tries to break in into the, into the apartment because no one's home in his mind. But that was fake. The video finishes off, the, the owner actually has a gun. So he shot through the door. <laughs> And the guys took off running. Thank God nobody was killed, but it's very demonic activity. That's how they work. You know, they just pass it. They're so deceptive, right? You cast out the demon of lust. You cast out the de- whatever, put a name on it. And then later on, it comes by. And it's like, hey, you guys there? Because if not, I'll bring in seven of my friends. You have to replace it. Somebody's got to say I'm here. You can't see when you just remove it, they'll be back. Solomon says it like this, and I believe this is probably the best way to describe what I'm talking about. Proverbs 26 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Why would a dog return back to his vomit? because there's no steak around. No other options. What do you do? Why would a person return to slavery? Why would that sheep run back to that hole? I believe they didn't because they don't replace slavery with a lifestyle of freedom. See, freedom creates a place for us to submit to God, not a place to sin freely. Paul speaks about this dynamic. Some of us, one of the hardest things that's ever happened to us is freedom. I was just having this conversation, um, and, and we were talking about this. It's, it's amazing how you remove some obligations, you remove some standards, and give people a little bit of freedom, and they'll take it miles away. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. It's almost like the Bible knows us. You ever, you ever, done that? You ever, you ever read your Bible and you're like, what? <laughs> you serious? That's exactly what, that's who I am. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm using my freedom as an opportunity. You ever thought about that? (laughs) Freedom doesn't guarantee dominion. Some of you guys read Pastor Campbell's book, Deliverance to Dominion. Incredible book. I recommend it. You need need to read it. Easy read. It's like if Pastor Campbell is talking to you. Deliverance to dominion. And the point he's making says Israel was delivered, but they had to get dominion. Deliverance doesn't guarantee dominion. Freedom doesn't guarantee this place of dominion and rule. You have to buy that. You have to work for that. Some of us, that's exactly what you've prayed. God, I thought since I've been saved, these things will leave my life. I thought I wouldn't have to deal with the problems in my marriage, 
I thought I didn't have to deal with depression, with anxiety. I didn't think I had to deal with all the addictions, lust, pornography. Uh, you can go on drugs and alcohol. I thought I didn't have to deal with any of that. You know, the truth is there are places and areas where we're going to have to fight. We all have giants. We all have areas. I remember praying to God one time. I say, God, why, why, why do they get delivered? And I have to struggle with that. How many of you guys have been there before? When you look at somebody else, you're like, they're set free. And I'm a joke over here trying to fight. So I want to close with my third point, and that is running and clinging to freedom. I believe our story should be, we need to be actively pursuing Christ. And what that means is a physical action, not an emotional moment. Many people make the mistake of seeking the mystical and the emotional. And they'll use that as an affirmation for God's involvement. Right, you see it in a religious world all the time. Worship wasn't good unless I got goosebumps, right? Worship wasn't good unless unless there was a demonic manifestation or something. It's like it's always like this mystical and emotional moment. They'll say things like, I didn't feel it. Like it's just uh, I didn't feel it. Well, none of us felt it. We're all tired. You know, you can go on and talk about different things. You know, Paul speaks a very powerful word. He speaks about being content in all situations of life. I think that's so incredible. Say with me, content. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I want you to hear this, and I want you to make this the theme song of your life, of your season, right? Verse 11 says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, say with me, whatever. You guys need the Greek word for that? All right. Do you? No, I don't have it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we know what whatever means. You say it to your kids, right? Whatever, whatever. In whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret I want to know the secret. I have learned the secret of facing, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. An incredible word. So I'm content. Ain't no meat pot going to take me back to Egypt. Ain't nothing going to bring me back to a place. I'm not, it's almost like I know where I came from. Being content is so important, beloved. Can I just, I'll give you a revelation here today, this morning. Maybe you asked for it, maybe you didn't, but I'll give it to you anyway. The grass will always be greener on the other side. It's because grass has two shades to it. <laughs> telling you, it'll always be. That's why your neighbor's grass is always like, man, why does the grass look nice? And then he's looking at yours, and you're like, man, why does this grass look nice? There's two shades. It's just... It, the sun hits a certain type of way. Give it about four to five hours and the sun will be on this side. And then your grass will look greener to him. It's always going to be like, life will always be like that. The, listen, you will serve God for the rest of your life. And there's going to be people with more money than you. There's going to be people with more money than you. Amen? 
People's, so, you know, people's kids will be cuter than, than yours sometimes. <laughs> it's not God's grace. It's just what it is. It's just life. You know, it's just, there's, there will always be somebody. And you can take that to the other side, right? There will be, oh, there will always be somebody with more issues than you. Those are the good ones, right? That's you look, you're like, I'm glad I'm not him. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in that marriage. I'm glad I don't sleep with her. I'm glad I don't sleep with him. I'm glad I don't live there. Right? You will always see those things for the rest of your life. The key to life is learning how to live content. God, I'm happy where I'm at right now. Am I striving for more? Absolutely. But if you don't give me more, I'm, I'm happy. My wife and I, mo most of you guys know, we, we struggled to have children for 10 years. Um, Titus was a blessing to our life. Uh, but that's a whole different sermon. But we got to a place where my wife and I, we said, God, if you don't give us children, we're okay. We're okay with that. We're st we will still serve you. We will still love you. We will still be in ministry. We won't hold anything against you. I remember we had a time when we prayed that. No doubt you've seen what God has done. But I believe it came through that secret of being content. I believe content is the secret of living in freedom. Being happy with what God gave us. Freedom for Israel meant the wilderness. You ever thought about that? Yes, they were set free from Egypt. But they crossed that Red Sea and they stepped into the wilderness. Being content is the foundation of remaining in freedom. Freedom doesn't mean free of our problems, but free to live in joy and in peace with God. Perfect joy is only found in God. Perfect peace is only found in God. So I'm going to give you instructions here today, or at least I'm going to try. I'm going to give you a phrase that I hope it sticks to you, and that is run and cling. Say it with me, run and cling. It's kind of like tuck and roll, but run and cling, okay? When in trouble... We are to run and cling to God's presence. So what does that mean to us? When you are in trouble, tempted to go back to your sin, you've just been rescued. Maybe you're like the sheep. You're, just, you're, you're brand new. You're shaking all the dirt off. You just went through a season of storms and all these different things. Running and clinging means don't miss church. That's number one. Don't miss church. Can I make it practical for you this morning? We can talk about all the spiritual things and, and try, to, try to tackle the mystical. And then listen, we'll get that when you can come to church. Be at church. When you've got problems, be at church. When you're struggling with sin, be at church. Amen? When you're backsliding, say it. When you're scared, that's a song. Some of you guys didn't know that song. When you're scared, go to church. You don't remember the 2000 song? Ice Cube? When you're scared, bleep, go to, go to church. <laughs> Don't miss church. As a matter of fact, when it gets hard, press into church. Lean on your brothers. Lean on your sisters. Lean on the presence of God. When you're in trouble, these altar calls should be even more crucial for you. You should spend more time here. When we say stand up to sing this song, you ain't standing up because you're in the presence of God. You want to talk to God. Number two. Don't isolate yourself. 
Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Don't isolate yourself. That is a recipe for disaster. The enemy is after every single one of us. Hell doesn't like us. He doesn't like that you're thriving, that your marriage is doing good, that you're, you're, you're taking, make, making good decisions. So isolating yourself just means you're going to get jumped. So don't isolate yourself. Number three, don't stop worshiping. Don't stop worshiping. Worship even when it doesn't make sense. When you're singing, you're saying, God, you're good. You're singing these songs that you know what, that you've called me and I'm going to go to the ends of the world and, and you know, I want more love. You're singing all these songs. It makes absolutely no sense to you. But you know that your soul needs it. No wonder David looks at himself and he speaks to his soul. And he says, oh, soul, worship God. You praise the Lord. It's important what you speak to yourself, by the way. Some of us, we, we don't even let the enemy do the business, uh, do, do the work. We do it ourselves. You know, hell ain't got to discourage you. You discourage yourself. So don't stop worshiping. Number four, don't stop serving. Don't stop serving. Get the focus off of yourself for a little bit and put it on somebody else. The temptation will always be to go back to th thinking things will be different this time. Remember, you escaped. You hated that place. You hated your sin. You hated what was going on at that moment in your life. When you go back, it's not going to be any different. It's like a domestic violence situation, right? Come back and somewhere you're like, he's going to be different this time. You know the percentage of change in that doesn't... Many times they come back and it's the same mess. And it requires somebody to either slap them and say, listen, they don't love you. Can I tell you the world don't love you? Satan doesn't love you. Going back to those things is not going to be different. See, whenever you find that encouragement in actively pursuing God, choose to live there. Cling to that one thing that keeps you engaged with God and God's people. I'm, I, I tend to lean on the apathetic side of things. That's just my personality. But I, so I believe in a lot of self-motivating, and this was spoke about in our men's class, that you've got to be a spiritual self-starter, and nobody's gonna need, nobody needs to twist my hand to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I've learned, like Paul says, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be faithful. But let's be honest, sometimes there are things we need to cling to that help us. I have friends I cling to in times of difficulty. When I'm going through it, I know I can, I can, I can talk. There's times where I'll call and it's been an hour and I'm like, you haven't said a word, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just needed to talk to somebody. Cling to those. Cling to that one thing that keeps you engaged. Sometimes people, for some people, it's habits. Just, just a habit. I don't know. You just related that. You used to smoke a ton of weed. Now you go to the gym a lot and the gym helps you. Physical activity helps you bring you back. I don't know. But whatever that thing is, if it's a habit or if it's a relationship, cling to that. Whatever takes you to God, cling to that. And I close with this. 
you don't have to go back to slavery. There's somebody here tonight, you know, this morning, you're questioning, I need to, you're thinking, I need to, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the world. You don't have to. It's not going to be any difference. Take up Jesus' yoke. The Bible says, come and leave this yoke, leave these worries, this, this, this troubles, these burdens, leave it here and take up my yoke, this is light. Literally, you have to run to whatever or whoever you need to run to stay away from what hurts you. As a pastor, I counsel people. And there's times where they express their problems to me. And one of the things that amazes me every time is they're going through hard times. Yet they'll miss services and they're late to service. Come and pray. Come and get a hold of God. You gotta run towards freedom. You gotta run towards what God has done. Don't forget where you came from. Remember, your bread was not even leaven when you took off. You grabbed everything and you said, I'm gone. Can we have that attitude again this morning? There's all kinds of people here with all walks of life, all kinds of issues. Let's remove our halos this morning and say, you know what, God, I'm here for one reason, and I'm running towards you. I don't want to leave this place unless I get a hold of you. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I was 18 years old when I got saved. I had my tour of different churches and religion. And I remember one of the things that stood out to me in the church, in this church when I got saved, was it was real people looking for a real God. This wasn't a, it wasn't a game. It was just we, we had problems and we needed God. And, and that's always been my attitude. I remember talking to God and saying, God, I don't, I don't want this to just be another season. I had already gone through many seasons. Different identity changes, different relationships. And one of the fears, right, especially with somebody who saw every commitment in their life fall apart. Marriages, parents my own relationships, nothing flourished. And one of the fears is always, I remember talking to God, I said, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this to just be a moment. I don't, want, I don't want to look 10 years down the road and I'm gone, backslidden back into my own sin and looking back and just remembering, I want this to be forever. Remember reading scriptures like this, abide in me, stand firm in freedom. And I've learned that it's not about perfection, but about being content. In other words, you can take the world, but just leave me Jesus and I'm good. You're here this morning and you don't have Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. If you're to die at this moment, heaven will not be your home. That's you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. God's dealing with you. You're not saved. You, you feel the pull of God. Quickly, you're not saved. You want to get right. Would you raise your hand? 
Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from Him. Maybe this video, I know it's humorous, but maybe this video exemplifies your life. God's pulling you out of these holes and you just run back to them. I see that hand. And God's trying to say, I want to heal that backsliding. I, want, I, don't, I don't want you to go back to that anymore. I want to satisfy you. One of the greatest miracles in my life, I was satisfied. Like the woman in the well, here it is, this woman, five different husbands. And the one that she's with, it's not, it's not her husband anymore. The Bible says, you're not, you're not even married to the guy. You go from home to home, from relationship to relationship, seeking some type of satisfaction. He says, drink my water and, and you will never thirst again. One of the greatest miracles of salvation is the satisfaction. You don't need anything else anymore. You're backslidden. But you want to get right today. You're saying, I want, I want, that's what I want to be. God, satisfy me. I want to come back to you. That's you. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Last call. Not saved or backslidden, but you want to change your life. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Very well. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Did you mean that? I believe you did. Why don't you come up? Come forward. We're going to have somebody pray with you. This morning, Amen. God bless you. Sisters, can pray for you, okay? Amen. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to the church. I want to speak to Christians. Church, I want to encourage you here today that you will stand firm in the freedom that God gave you. Don't use it as, as an opportunity for your flesh. Paul said, I've worked harder than anybody else because of grace. But just remember, just take a moment, take a second right now, right now, take a moment and remember what God pulled you out of. And make that the driving force. There's people here, listen, your testimony can save so many people. Stand firm. Stand firm in that freedom. I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect. I'm not saying your emotions are going to always line up. But draw some hard lines. I'm going to be at church. I don't care what happens. I don't care what I'm going through. I'm going to be at church. I am going to worship God. I don't care what I'm going through. My voice, my body is going to worship and give reverence to God. Those are some hard lines, some hard choices. That's what standing in freedom means. That's what dominion is. I am going to pray. I want everybody here to stand up to their feet. Stand up to your feet. We're going to pray in this moment. We're going to ask God to help us. There's people here. Listen, you're on the edge. You're, on, you're at the brink of making a really bad decision for yourself. And God says, just stand firm. Just let me work. Stand firm in freedom. These altars are open. I want to encourage you. Let's come and talk to God. Let's come and talk to our Savior this morning. We're going to sing out this song. But let's hear the voice of the church plead with God. Listen, there's people here. You need God to heal you from habitual stuff. You always go back to the same thing. You need God to break that cycle. You need God to give you freedom. And it's going to come through you running running and pressing into freedom saying God 
I can't quite obey everything because I have issues, but I'm going to obey to the best of my ability. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all it takes. We're going to sing out this song here this morning. If you're in your seats, you, I mean, in the chairs, you can, you can have your seats this morning. We're going to sing. We're going to get a hold of God. Oh, hallelujah. Shila rababa shanda la rababa shanda kya.